baseball fans, and welcome to Sully Baseball Daily, the podcast we talk about baseball 365 days a year, unless it's a leap year, and then we're going to do another one. I've been doing this every single day since October 24th, 2012. It's now the seventh day of July. 2016, and I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I'm recording this from Sully Baseball Studio in Palo Alto, California, the birthplace of Oakland A's manager, Bob Melvin, and just down the 101 from AT&T Park, the home of the San Francisco Giants, the team that will win the World Series this year as soon as they acquire a few relievers. It's getting a little weird that they still stink, their bullpen still stinks. And I fervently believe that a Giants team with a mediocre bullpen could win the World Series this year. But I'm not here to talk Giants bullpen. I'm here to take a look that we're... Games are going on now as I'm, as I'm recording this, and we saw a 14-inning marathon and we, with the Orioles and the Dodgers, and we saw the Cubs lose. Now, the Cubs... Started off the season like people were bringing up the 1984 Detroit Tigers. Is this going to be an all-time team? Is this going to be an absolute all-time team? And and to be fair, the Cubs are still an excellent team. Absolutely. As I'm recording this here, why don't we just go to the standings here for a second here. As of this recording, the Cubs currently have a record of, drumroll please, they currently have a record of 52 and 32. That's a 619 winning percentage. That ain't bad. A 6-1, and if you play that out for an entire season, if you play at this level, if they just keep playing at this level, the 619 winning percentage over 162 games, and we are beyond the halfway point of the season. So it's not outlandish to say something like that. Then that's a team that will win 100 ball games. Look, at even if they play 500 ball the rest of the way, if they slow down and play 500 ball the rest of the way, that's still a 91-win team. They just have to play winning baseball, and they're a 90-some-odd win team and are a playoff team. So they don't have a lot to worry about. But they are not the juggernaut. They're not playing like the juggernaut that people thought they were going to be throughout the rest of this season. And I think that they are a vulnerable team. Which is why if I were the Nationals, why if I were the Mets, if I were the Cardinals, if I were the Pirates, hell, if I were the Dodgers or the Marlins, I would look at whatever glaring hole we have right now and shore it up right now. Because you have a shot to win the National League pennant. Look what the Mets did last year. The Mets should be the absolute blueprint The way that the National League was set up last year, you had three juggernaut teams, Cardinals, Pirates, and Cubs. And of that National League Central juggernaut, it was the Cubs who made it to the National League Championship Series. And the Mets were not the best team in the National League by any stretch of the imagination, but they filled the holes that they had. So you just go look around. They didn't fill, I mean, Cespedes played like a superstar, but they filled the holes. What's the hole? It, and, and it doesn't have to be a superstar. Is this position currently owned by someone who is a subpar player? Then a par player, by definition, is an improvement. 
If this is, oh, that's a negative. Well, now it's a neutral. Well, neutral's better than negative. And then you move on and you try to win. You know, an interesting thing is uh, when you take a look at when you're at this point of the season, when, you've, when we're on the verge of the, you know, of the, um, what's it called? The All-Star break. And if you take a look and you start looking at teams, this is obviously the time when if you're a contender, you start to look around. When you're a pretender, you start to think, okay, who can we start to send off? And the worst place to be is on the bubble. The absolute worst place to be. When you look at teams that are hovering around 500 on the cusp, on the on just, you know, a team like the Yankees, you know, a team like the, hell, you know, the Phillies, who are only, you know, they're one good week away from getting back in it, but they're not going to really do it. And the Yankees are one winning streak away from really getting the thick of the wild card, but does anyone really think they're going to leapfrog all those teams? That's the worst place to be because, gosh, you know, especially when a team like the Royals a few years ago made everyone think, well, wait a minute, the Royals were stinking it up and they got to within one swing of winning the World Series. I mean, it's a terrible thing to put in your head, but it's there. And then you look around and you look at the El Stinkerino teams. The teams that are really not doing well. The Rays are not doing well. The Angels are not doing well. The Twins are not doing well. The Braves are not doing well. The Brewers, the Reds, Arizona, Colorado, and San Diego. And something kind of occurred to me. I wonder which one of those teams are going to dump their manager. Which one of those clubs are going to cut bait? And it's an interesting bunch of teams that I just listed. Will the Angels cut loose Mike Sosha? Is that even possible? Mike Sosha is, look at whether or not you like Mike Sosha as a manager, and I certainly have my issues with Mike Sosha as a manager, but he's had a great career as a manager. And the stability of having Mike Sosha be the manager has been one of the strengths of the Angels. He has been the manager now for 17 years, winning the World Series in his third year and winning division titles in 2004, 2005, 2007, 2008, 2009, and 2014. And having seasons where they narrowly missed the postseason in 2011, 2012, and in 2015. They stink this year. This is going to be the worst year of Mike Sosha's managerial career. This is it. This is the worst year he's going to have. This is going to be one of the worst years the Angels have seen in a long, long time. Is Mike Sosha's job in jeopardy? Probably not. Probably not because of the power he has with the team and the fact that he is someone who has led him to the postseason. They had that great run between 2002 and 2009 where they only missed the playoffs twice. So it's, you know, you can look at this team and say, do you know what? They're only two years removed from a 98-win season. They have the best player in baseball. Now, the farm system's a mess. I think the team's a mess. If it was anyone who wasn't Mike Sosha then I, he would be toast right now. But I think he's going to stay. Minnesota has Paul Molitor. Is Paul Molitor going to be fired? Um, 
It's an interesting call because the Twins had a surprising year last year and had a winning season. And this year they're going to be one of the worst teams in baseball. But there's a ton of talent on this team. There's a ton of young talent that's coming up through the system. They have capable players. They're just having a lousy year, and they're probably going to get the first or second pick overall. So you're going to see this team be a quality team probably moving forward. But I don't think he's going to go. So I don't think he's going to get fired. What about in Tampa? Kevin Cash. There was a lot of expectations for the Rays, and the Rays, who I actually thought the Rays were going to be a playoff team this year on the strength of their pitching. But instead, they're probably going to unload Matt Moore, Jake Odorisi, and Drew Smiley, and maybe Alex Colomay, and try to get two good players for each one of them. How bad are things for the Rays? Well, let me just say, leading up into yesterday's game, let's say since, remember they got to within, they had a walk-off win against Seattle a few weeks ago on June 15th, and they were on the cusp of contention. And you take a look up and say, oh man, they are just, they're knocking on the door. They're only about three or four games out. They've played 20 games since then. They went 3-17. and 17. That's a calamity. That's a catastrophe. They, they lost 17 out of the next 20 games. And absolutely did a, 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 an absolute swan dive. And they are, and, I said, and oh, and they, they lost to the Angels. So it's, it's more than that. They lost 18 of their next 21 games. So is Kevin Cash going to get dumped? Probably not, because they're rebuilding, and they knew what they were in for. I mean, and it's hard to blame Kevin Cash on this. Phillies got off to a hot start, but they've fallen to the point where they're the team that people kind of expected them to be. Is Pete McKinnon, McKinnon, how do you pronounce his name? Is he in danger? Nah, probably not. There was no expectations for this team. It's a team in flux. So that really leaves a hand, and, and in terms of the Braves, they've already fired their manager, Freddie Gonzalez, and someone named Brian Snitker is the new manager of the team. I don't know who he is, and neither do you. And chances are he's keeping the seat warm uh, until next year. So it leads to some interesting things. The team that I think is probably, well, I don't know what the Rockies are doing. The Rockies are having a slightly better year than people have expected, but they're still not going anywhere. And Walt Weiss hasn't exactly been the second coming of John McGraw. Of course, they brought Walt Weiss in after he was a high school coach. This is his fourth year, his fourth year with the Colorado Rockies, and they're probably going to unload some more players, and he will have his 74 and 88 first year with the Rockies will in all probability be the best season of his tenure with the Rockies. But I still don't think that he's – I mean, I don't know what the Rockies organization is going to be. And they're sometimes difficult to predict. So that leads us with the four teams who I think managers are realistically in danger. Now, now mind you, earlier in this year, I thought both Brad Ausmus and Robin Ventura were in deep trouble. But the fact of the matter is, the two of them are put together 
you know, the White Sox currently have their noses above 500. The Tigers have stormed back into contention. And so I think that their, their jobs are saved. Uh, Joe Girardi, despite having his team sub 500 at this point and in danger of missing the playoffs for the third year out of four, and that one year they made it, they were a one and done, didn't even score a run wildcard team. In the old days when George was in charge, then Joe Girardi would be toast. But this is the Yankees, the current Yankees, as run by Steinbrenner's children. There's no job jeopardy. Everyone's job is secure. Joe Girardi, the, when I had uh, um, Lisa Swan on, we were talking about this, I came to the conclusion the only way Joe Girardi can lose his job is if he goes the entire decade without making a World Series. And, well, you know, he's well into this one. So there's four managers that I actually think are in danger. And they belong, their first belongs to the San Diego Padres. They brought in Andy Green this year after kicking Bud Black out and hoping to get something changed. Well, the Padres have stunk. Their batting's, the team can't hit, and they're already starting to trade away their players. They've already traded away James Shields. They've already traded away Fernando Rodney. Now, it makes no sense to blame Andy Green for this team, but it also didn't make any sense to blame Freddy Gonzalez either. I think Andy Green is in deep trouble of not making it out of his first year in San Diego. Meanwhile, in Arizona, good old Arizona Chip Hale has the Diamondbacks with a ton of expectations on them, especially with the arrival of Zach Grinke and Shelby Miller. Grinke's been fine, but now he's hurt. Shelby Miller has been an abject catastrophe, and the team stinks. This was supposed to be a bounce-back year for the um, Arizona Diamondbacks, and they're, you know, they've had some major injuries to their team, to be sure. But I don't think anyone in the Diamondbacks were thinking that this was going to be, they were going to have you know, 48 losses before the All-Star break. Chip Hale is in trouble. And he's also in trouble because the general manager, Dave Stewart, the front office in general, has had an awful year, and this might deflect something. Milwaukee, good old Milwaukee. I look up, I forgot who was the manager at that point. Craig Council. Everyone loves Craig Council. He's always involved in big-time rallies. But there was a lot of expectations that maybe the Brewers, maybe, are they improving? What are they doing? No, they're, they're bad. And you're going to look and see this team. They're going to unload Luke Croy. They may unload Braun. Who knows who, they're gonna, who else they're going to unload on this team? Junior Guerra, maybe unload him. What is, what's a 31-year-old going to do for a team like this? Anyone who's decent in their bullpen, pick them for parts. And then it's easy to blame the manager. I think the one who is in the absolute doghouse right now is Mr. Price, Mr. Brian Price in Cincinnati. And quite frankly, I don't see him making it to the All-Star game or past the All-Star game. I think he's going to be fired. Now, how much is he to blame for this? It's a bad sight when Dusty Baker has the team contending year in and year out, whether they're a division winner or a wild-card team, at a nice string there in Cincinnati. Dusty Baker gets fired, in comes Price, and they stink. And they've stunk ever since. 
Now they're going to have to trade Jay Bruce. They may trade Brandon Phillips. Who knows what's going to go on? This team's in mid-rebuild, but I don't think Brian Price is going to make it because they're going to have to be some sort of a sacrificial lamb. Now, I am going to go somewhere, which I know a lot of people roll their eyes. You're never supposed to bring up race or anything like that. But the fact of the matter is this. Major League Baseball is has about, no, that's roughly 40% of Major League Baseball is someone other than a white guy. You have African Americans, you have uh, Latinos, people from the Caribbean, you have people from Central America, South America, people from Asia. And yet, when you look at the managers in baseball, there are two who are not white guys. That's 28 out of 30 teams are managed by white. It's 93%, even though it's 60-40 as players. And there's something about that that is, whether or not I'm supposed to say this, that is kind of sort of disturbing. Not that, you know, the, the philosophy should be hire the best person no matter race, color, creed, or whatever. Absolutely. I think everyone can agree to that. But is it really 93% looks one, has one ethnicity? And when you listen to some of the jabronis that I just mentioned, are they all the best? Is Walt Weiss managing in high school the best? Is Brad Osmus with no managerial experience or coaching experience or Mike Matheny or Robin Ventura, who I think was selling aluminum siding, are they really the best qualified people for the job? Is it always like that? And the thing that is kind of disturbing is that when the few times you do see someone who isn't a white guy getting the job, they have an impeccable resume. When Ron Washington was hired by the Texas Rangers and got them within one ill-timed leap by Nelson Cruz from being a world champion... He had a long resume of coaching and being a beloved coach in the Oakland A's organization. Freddie Gonzalez, when he took over the Marlins and later the Braves, had a long resume of being the, basically the conciliary to Bobby Cox. Dusty Baker, years and years of managing, and also before that, years and years of being a coach under... Uh, uh, Roger Craig and the San Francisco Giants. They've long, you know, Dave Roberts had, had many years coaching in the San Diego Padres organization. You know, if you make it to that level as a manager, you know, Lloyd McClendon, when he was a manager, had years of, man of being a coach or a minor league manager for years in the, in the Tigers or in the Pirates organization had long resumes. Their LinkedIn page was falling over a cliff. And yet every time someone was hired with virtually no experience, or in the case of someone like Dan Jennings, no playing coaching experience, you know what they look like. And there's something about that that, you know, I can't say that's a coincidence. I don't think it's being done out of malice. 
I think it's being done out of, hey, we're moving to a different mindset and we're going for this guy, this Harvard guy, or this guy I know from this front office. And there are people that they pick who have a relationship with the general manager. And for whatever reason, they look like Walt Weiss. Are we really telling me that Walt Weiss has a better resume to manage than Chris Chambliss with decades of minor league managing and decades of major league coaching experience? Really? The better than Sandy Alomar Jr. Better than, we keep hearing how Joey Cora was this, this coveted managerial candidate. Raul Banyas. You know, we're really saying that someone like um, Jose Okendo, years and years and years as one of the most respected members of Tony LaRusso's coaching staff, and they give it to Mike Matheny. Tony Pena? Terry Pendleton? I mean, I'm just trying to think of some people, you know, I mean, we kept hearing how, you know, Bo Porter did not do a great job his, fir his first time he managed in Houston. But you know what? Terry Francona did a crap job his first time managing in Philadelphia. You know, I mean, we're trying to tell me that, that you know, when Brad Ausmus is more qualified than Willie Randolph? I'm not saying token is. I'm not saying don't hire someone who isn't qualified. I just have a hard time believing it, that it's 93% is the right number. I have to, when I look at that, I said, really, almost everybody? Almost everybody. Really? Dave Martinez, really? We're not gonna, we're not gonna go there. Wow, that's interesting. That's really interesting. I'm not saying hire someone just for the sake of a token hire. I'm saying ask yourself: Am I looking at all the most qualified people? And if when you look up and say, oh, "I got a nondescript dude with no." coach experience, no managerial experience, but he's friends with me in the front office. And you look over and, and you know, <laughs> Chris Chambliss has been twiddling his thumbs since the late 80s. I have a hard time believing that it's a merit-based system. I have a hard time believing in coincidences like that. Oh, I may have lost a listener too, and I may have one of those people saying going on a PC rant or something like that. But ask yourself, why does it end up like this? Listen to some of the names I just rattled off there. The Chip Hales and the, the Brian Prices of the world. Are, 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 those, are those our Earl Weavers? Our Sparky Andersons? Seriously? So... There's going to be some managerial firings, and there will inevitably be one that catches us off guard. Inevitably, there will be a team who is in contention right now who will fall off a cliff, and they'll wind up dumping their managers. Remember what happened with Matt Williams, who went from manager of the year to getting fired? It can happen quickly. It can happen really, really quickly. Managers can resign in a huff. And players could revolt against the manager. Things could become out of hand. Or a team may just say, you know, it's time to go somewhere else. We might as well do it now instead of waiting later. That happens all the ding-dong time. But let's open up the doors a little bit. 
Let's really look at the candidates and ask yourself, if the players are dispersed in one way that happens completely by merit, you don't get on the major league field based upon someone wanting to hire this because he's a friend of the family. Even when that does happen, the only time it sticks is when it's Mike Piazza. Then why should management be different? Why is the brain trust and the people running the show, why is that so different? That's all I want to bring up. If you have reasons, go tweet them at me, at Sully Baseball. And you can go to MLBReports.com and see the up-to-date listings of who owns baseball. And by the way, I've been a guest for the last few days. I've been posting this on SullyBaseball.com on a really fun podcast called the Indiana Jones Minute, where me and the, the host break down Raiders of the Lost Ark one minute at a time. And I've been a guest on three episodes of that. Go check that out. Uh, go check out Indiana Jones Minute on Twitter, and I'll link you to the episodes. Or go to SullyBaseball.com, because I have the links to those episodes there. Uh, go to Facebook, SoundCloud, YouTube, Twitter, Stitcher, Instagram. I'm everywhere. You can be old school. Send me an email at info at SullyBaseball.com. The music is by Ted Thacker and Patrick Kaliski. I went there today. This has been the Sully Baseball Daily Podcast. For the seventh day of July, 20, what the hell year is it? 16. And I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Uh, Just call me Sully.